Welcome to the Nebraska Hawk's Nest. These guys are brave! They're Hawkeyes, living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their prime, but they're still Hawkeyes! They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled! Corn Huskers, more like corn suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go, Hawks! All right, welcome back to Nebraska Hawkins. Make sure to hit the like and subscribe button to get all of our latest interviews with Iowa Hawkeye legends, players, coaches, personnel, the whole gambit. Today, we are lucky enough to be joined by Nathan and Scott Chandler. How's it going, guys? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome having you guys both here. And um, uh, from what we're what I've been reading and everything, you guys are in a family joint business venture right now. Can you tell us and all the Hawkeye fans out there what you guys are up to and uh, how you guys got started working together? Yeah, so when I got done playing, I came down to Texas and started in real estate business. Um, and uh, you know, Scott stayed busy with football for a while after that. And so I had got to a CEO position with a, a group that raises private equity for real estate investments. And, um, and Scott called me up when he got done playing and, and said, hey, I'd, uh, I'd like to come work with you guys. And I said, how about we just start our own company? And so we did. We started Chandler Real Estate Investments. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. We, we love each other. We love working together. And this gives us a chance to to spend some time on FaceTime at least every day. You guys don't have any of the the brotherly quarrels like back in the day, like, you know, going back and forth. I feel like that's just like a natural thing that siblings do no matter what is you just like get at each other once in a while. Uh, you know, Nathan's five years older than me. So there wasn't, uh, there weren't too many times that I got the better of him. And, and even still, I just let him bully me around and I just do whatever he says. <laughs> I was like, so growing up, you know, like I, when I'm 10, he's five, right? I mean, that's not a fair match. But what we would do is in the middle of the summer in Texas, 100 degrees outside, we'd find every winter coat, ski pant, everything we had in the house, and we would bundle Scott up. So he looked like a round ball of cushion. And, <laughs> um, and we'd go play tackle football in the front yard. Um, you know, it wasn't, it didn't do much for his mobility, just to add to his disadvantages. But, um, you know, it, it didn't hurt him as much. It made me cry less. Yeah. Wait, that's a hell of an idea. At least you thought of a way to protect him. I don't think most <laughs> siblings would have even done that. They would have just taken him outside and beaten the hell out of him playing football and, and everything else. So you, you showed early on that you had that caring side as a brother. <laughs> that's right. 
Yeah, he, we used to. That was probably our biggest fight. Was me trying to get him to walk away from um, ET and come outside and play with me. And then um, when he wanted to quit, you know, I'd peg him or just older brother jerk stuff. Uh, but he he perfected the three point shot and then run inside while I go for the rebound. Uh, <laughs> old brother trick. After you lose like four games in a row, you know you get a little paralyzed. You're ready to go inside. You know, get some Kool Aid or something. So yeah, you throw the three up and then run inside before you get to. Had to fuel back up and catch him when he wasn't looking. Would have given you hell for going inside. So you guys have both, like we were kind of talking about before we got on camera, have really developed some large families of your own. Tell us about both of you, um, and we'll start with uh, we'll start with Scott this time. Tell us about your family um, and how many kids you have, where you guys are living right now, and and what your kids are up to. Yeah, I live in uh, North Liberty, Iowa, so right in the Iowa City area. Um, I've got I married my wife right uh, right before I got drafted, so uh, she's an Iowa girl, and uh, we have four kids, uh, three girls and a boy. Our our daughters are eleven, uh, nine, and seven. Lila, Beta, and Ivy, and then our son is four. His name is Cal. And uh, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of fun. We get to go to a lot of Hawkeye games uh, when when they allow fans. And, uh, you know, I have season tickets to the football games, so uh, sitting in that New York end zone, it's great. We enjoy it. You know, get to be around friends and, uh, you know, get to, get to interact with, with the players every now and then. Uh, you know, I usually do the, the try and help them out uh, business-wise. Uh, just uh, some of the, you know, the great thing about the Iowa Hawkeye community is guys really do look out for, uh, for, for players when they, when they get done playing, you know, if they can give them a job in uh, in construction or medical sales or real estate, uh, I think guys are really willing to help and try and set up guys for to be successful. That's great. What about you, Nate? Yeah, so I've got five kids, uh, ranging from uh, fourteen to eight, eight-year-old twin boys. Um, and, and the oldest two are boys, so I've got to grow right in the middle. And I was trying to solve for the, you know, Scott and I are the only two boys in our family, and we're five years apart. So we the only time we ever got to be teammates um, is when I was a fifth-year senior at Iowa, and he was a true freshman. So that was – you guys all got to witness kind of a, a special time for us. Uh, in fact, I got to run in a, a touchdown against Michigan when Scott was in the game, and he picked me up off the ground. And um, – and luckily that was captured in, in, in the newspaper. So we've got some copies of that picture. It's a special time for us. I will say there was one time when I was a senior in high school that uh, I picked Scott up for a, as an eighth grader. We went and played in a varsity seven-on-seven tournament and smoked everybody. So had, that was our complete experience as teammates before he came to Iowa. But I, I fixed that in my family. My oldest two are 13 months apart, and my, my younger boys are twins. So... What kind of uh, influence did you have on your younger brother when he was looking at what college he was going to go to? Did you say, hey, come on over, let's be a hawk? Or did you kind of stay back and let him make his own decision there? I stayed out of it as much as I could, with you know, especially because I knew I'd only be there for one year. Um, but you know, definitely, um, I definitely wanted him to experience what I got to see there is just a community and uh, 
there's, we've always said there's a, there's a lot of correlation the way we were raised here in Texas and working hard and, um, you know, family. And then what, what I experienced in Iowa and Scott obviously ended up being there longer than I did, you know, because I was a JUCO transfer and he was there for four years. But um, I think he was at camp for one day before Ferentz pulled him off to the side and said, hey, we, you know, we were recruiting you because your brother's here, but after we saw how you torched everybody at the, at the uh, practice today, we were offering you on the spot. And I think that meant a lot that for Scott that um, it, it wasn't, you know, it merit-based. they weren't offering the quarterback's brother. They were genuinely interested in what they saw in that one day at camp. And he'd been doing that at camps all over the nation. And then they'd say, you know, we were looking for a guy faster, which is kind of outside. That's one of the things I would as well is they, they recruit football players. And Scott's there tearing up a football camp. It's probably a good sign, you know. I will recognize that. Yeah, I can kind of expound on that a little bit. Uh, he did help my recruiting because I wasn't getting recruited very much. You know, I was – as a junior, I didn't start during the regular season – and then in the playoffs, I kind of came on and had really good, had five really good playoff games as a junior. But I was six foot seven, about 195, 200 pounds. Uh, didn't look like a football player, you know. And honestly, I was better at basketball at that point, too. Um, but I went to all these camps. Of, I went to Oklahoma's camp, Texas A&M's camp, SMU's camp, uh, Colorado's camp. Those were all the places I really wanted to go. And at every single one of them, you know, I, I did the same thing I did at Iowa's camp. I was, I did well, I, you know, torching DBs and, you know, catching the ball all over the place. And every single place they said, you know, you had a great day today, but you don't look like a football player to us. And, uh, mm-hmm. and like Nathan said, I went to Iowa. And I think it did help that Nathan was, you know, 6'7", 265 with a six-pack. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they kind of saw that maybe there was some potential for me to, to fill out a little bit. I was a young, young. Uh, I was young for my grade of July birthday, so I was 17 years old when I graduated high school, and kind of a late bloomer, anyways. So I think that they had that to, you know, they could look at him and be like, well, maybe he can grow into something a little bit more like this. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's true. I, I went to camp, and after the first day, you know, Coach Farron said, you know, I, we didn't really know you were good, but after today, we're offering you. I, I committed the next week. Well, that had to be a great feeling. What do you guys feel like it is with that staff? Because that's one thing that we get over and over again from former players and just from experts around the game is that that staff, for some reason, knows how to identify talent in ways that other staffs don't at all. What is it about that coaching staff that you feel like really has an edge on on other staffs across the country? Yeah, I feel like identifying talent is part of it. I feel like they what they do better than everybody else is develop players. Um, you know, that, and now there's a lot more, you know, places that are buying into that, but I was pretty cutting edge with, uh, you know, really spending a lot of time with, uh, with the players in the off season. You know, I came, I went to Texas tech out of, out of, uh, high school and it was pretty ragtag as far as, you know, what you did in the weight room, you got a piece of paper and you kind of left to your own. And um, then I went to JUCO, which there was really nobody paying attention to you except for the season. And then you get to Iowa and it's a program and it's, it's year round and it's, um, it's intelligent as far as when they're pushing you, when they're tearing you down, when they're building you up. 
And so uh, I think player development is where Iowa was ahead of the game and, and still excels. Yeah, and I mean, to piggyback on that, I think that they look for competitive kids that are good athletes that might be uh, undersized, but they think that they can develop body-wise. I mean, I think about how many guys would come in that you look at them and be like, there's no way this guy's going to play football. I remember Carl Kluge came in, and he's about six foot two, six three, and he had to be 175 pounds. Wow. And he came to live with me. Uh, you know, I was a senior, and we would let the freshman, you know, he crashed on my couch for the summer. And uh, I just remember thinking, man, this is, he's a great kid, works hard, but how is he, you know, how is he going to have a chance to play? Because he's the defensive lineman. And he's 175 pounds. And, you know, four years later, he's getting drafted and he's playing in the NFL for, you know, eight, nine years. And uh, you just – you look at that and you're like, how, how did they see what Carl Kluge could be? And I, I don't know the, the real answer, but they do it over and over and over again. And, uh, I mean, yeah. you see how many two and three stars we put in the NFL. And you look at Kittle. Kittle, man, Kittle was so skinny. And I don't think he had any, uh, you know, not much hair in his armpits when he got to Iowa. And he was just so fast. We used to have to run, you know, I'd come back and work out with the team, which is another great thing we do. They let the NFL players come back. They, you know, treat them well and let them work out. And uh, we're running sprints. And I was usually a guy that was pretty good at sprints. I had a long stride. And kids just killing me, beating me by, you know, three or four seconds on these sprints. And, you know, I'm 29 years old, and I'm just like, man, am I, am I getting, you know, old fast here? And the answer was yes, I was. But also, that, I mean, this guy's the next next level athlete that they they saw from a you know little skinny kid with you know no hair in his armpits turn into the guy who's going to be the best tight end in the NFL. You guys were there pretty relatively early in uh, Coach Ferentz's tenure. Uh, what was it like playing for Kirk? What was your relationship like with him? And how do you feel like he's evolved and developed as a head coach over his tenure? Either one of you. No, I mean, I just think, you know, he's – he's what you see is what you get. You know, he's he's very straightforward. He's not, uh, he's not a guy who – He's going to blow a lot of smoke up your butt or, uh, you know, beat around the bush much. He's going to, he's, he's really direct to the point, honest. And, uh, you know, he, if you, you know, if you, if you screw up, he's going to give you as many chances as he can. But it, once you become, you know, a problem uh, to yourself or to the program, you know, that'll, that'll probably be it for you. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know that he's, you know, he's not a guy who screams a bunch. Uh, you know, he's, He's tough to the point, but he also lets his coaches coach. And, uh, you know, I think he does a great job of just understanding what the University of Iowa needs. And, uh, you know, we, we need a program that is going to develop players. And uh, sometimes you have to be a little patient with those guys. Um, but you know, they're invested in these guys. And, uh, you know, we're not, he's not really uh, looking for tons of. Uh, you know, we don't we don't get a ton of JUCO guys or a ton of uh, you know grad transfer type guys. He wants guys that are going to be invested in being an Iowa Hawkeye. Yeah, I got there in 2002. Um, you know, it's interesting because as I was <clears throat> I had a good junior college career, and um, I had some 
choices about where to go after that. And at, at the end, I had it narrowed down to Mississippi State and Iowa. And both teams were 7-5 and five, um, that season. And um, But Iowa had had this trajectory that was rising, and Mississippi State was going the other direction. And, um, and so I, I chose Iowa. And, you know, when I, when I got there, um, you, could, you could understand why the trajectory was happening. You know, they were building a program, and uh, it, it took a while to take hold, but it was taking hold in 2002. And that team was just, I mean, across the board, you, you, it was just such a strong team. And uh, obviously that season played out well. And then, um, and then you get to our, our season, we graduated, you know, uh, most of the guys on offense. And we had a really strong defense coming back. And, um, and then we had a bunch of injuries at wide receiver. And so what Kirk and the staff did is they, they adjusted and we became a, a grinded out running offense and, um, and our defense held us up. Um, and then after the next year, all their running backs got hurt. And that was Tate's first year. Scott was sophomore that year. And, um, you know, they had a slow start, but they adjusted and they started throwing the ball around the yard. And you ended up with ten, or three seasons in a row with 10 wins. Yeah. In all different ways. I, I think that's, that's what he does well. And that's what I came to understand, too. When I was, you know, my first year there, we'd show up on, on a Tuesday morning and they'd hand us this, this sheet of audibles for us quarterbacks. And so every play we went on that week and what we're going to audible to um, if they look that different than we want to see, see them. And, um, and so I hated that. I hate, you know, memorization was never something I was good at. And had this whole sheet of memorization that I, you had to be sharp on by that day at practice and then, you know, build on every day. Um, but as I, as I started spending time at the facility watching film and seeing all the work the coaches did from a game on Saturday until Tuesday morning when we showed up with that piece of paper, they were they were doing so much film study and scouting on the other team. And there was actually a reason for this page of audibles. And um, that's what by my senior year I, I came under. I didn't need the sheet of paper anymore. I understood the uh, I understood the philosophy of the offense and why we wanted to run certain plays against certain looks. And then when they changed up all the other plays we could run. And, um, and what that shows you behind the scenes is we had the most intelligent coaching staff. Um, and we were so prepared when we went into a game. Um, you know, that was one of the advantages we had with this coaching staff. You guys really, you know, obviously butted up together in your times there. And the crazy thing when you look back at it, I think over any time of Iowa football, you guys had the most characters and just out there guys that just really stood out that fans remember, you know, guys that, you know, we kind of mentioned uh, before we came on like Matt Roth and, you know, your guys were loaded with you know, really well-known guys. What are some of the guys from both of you that were the most memorable that you played with? Maybe some really good stories, but guys that you, you'll be sitting there in your office working and think of a story of them and be like, yeah, that was hilarious. That guy was insane. We can start out with Scott on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think I've got some pretty good Roth stories. Uh, I mean, so first off, the first day I moved to tight end, I played the receiver um, as a true freshman. 
and had gone through uh, spring and fall camp uh, as a sophomore as a receiver. And then the week of the first game, they moved me to tight end. And I'd never had my hand in the ground, never walked the defensive end. And I get a line up across from Roth. Uh-oh. Pretty sure he had, you know, drool coming out of his mouth and <laughs> out his nose. Uh, you know, the year before, he had ripped Robert Gallery's face mask off. And I look across and it's Roth. And two seconds later, I'm on my back and he's just laughing at me, you know. And uh, that was that was really the way that whole day went. Uh, didn't didn't get off to a hot start walking. Uh, and then I also had softball class with Roth, and it was eight, it was an eight in the morning class. And luckily, we had we lifted before it almost every time. So I didn't I didn't uh, have I don't know for some reason at that time I didn't have means of transportation. And Roth had a moped, and he was like. Man, we'll give you a ride. Come on. And so we would double up on his moped and uh, go to softball. And almost never, I was always worried about being on time to stuff. And Roth was not worried about being on time to softball class. So we, you know, we were at the Hawkeye softball complex there, Kitty Corner from Hardee's. And uh, we're pulling in right at eight. And he diverts over to Hardee's and we go through the drive through. <laughs> I'm like, man, I don't have any money. He's like, oh, I got you. He buys me, you know, a couple breakfast sandwiches. And so then we pull over to softball 15 minutes late. <laughs> and uh, the teacher's like, are you uh, Roth and Chandler? And, and Roth's like, yep. And he goes, you don't class start at 8? He goes, yep, we were here at 8. <laughs> and the teacher was like, all right, you're here at 8. And Roth n- never would get off the bench during softball. I mean, I go out and play. You know, it's fun. Uh, and I didn't realize why until one day we talked him into getting out there and uh, he struck out pretty quick and I, I realized that defensive end was Roth's thing, you know, running over people and getting after the quarterback softball wasn't really his thing. That's awesome. Yeah, the first time I remember Roth, we, I got to uh, Iowa after having been already initiated um, to sex locker room and the junior college locker and everybody does the same thing across the nation they take all the freshmen they throw them in the cold plunge and so since i'd already had to do that twice i was really hoping as a junior i can get out of it and so to establish my veteran um standing i uh started getting the cold plunge every day in spring bowl and you know hey one one of you the cold plunge doesn't affect me and so we got all the way through spring ball, and then we get through two a days, and we've got the uh, all the freshmen get thrown in the cold plunge, and I'm I'm you know just looking very veteran, and, and uh, but they run out of freshmen, and, you know I can see Roth's just still hungry, and he's looking around trying to figure out who else he can throw in there, and, uh, and he locks his eyes on me and says Chandler, I was like no, come on, I'm a, this doesn't even affect me. The freshmen all get cold. I've been getting in this every day. It's no big deal. That was the exact wrong way to play it. So you know, they throw you in there, and I and I acted like it was no big deal. And Roth jumps in and holds me underwater. And I remember thinking, I'm going to die. Like, this is how <laughs> it And uh, in fact, when he lets me up, I get out of the water, and I'm, I'm so cold that I can't breathe for a second. And uh, But <laughs> but I survived. And uh, and. The other the other moment that kind of introduced me to Iowa football was um, 
we had our, one of those bubble practices in spring. I think it was my first one. And uh, I didn't know who Bob Sanders was yet. And Whoa. so when you, when you go against cover two, um, there's a little bit of a hole behind the corner on the sideline um, that you can complete a pass before the safety gets there, unless that safety is Bob Sanders. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm used to playing uh, against a little slower guys and drop back and, and fire a bullet over there to the sideline. And, and, and Sanders just like swoops in and picks it off, runs it back for a touchdown. And I'm kind of it's supposed to work, you know, and Banks goes, you can't do that against him. Um, <laughs> And he was just such an elite athlete. And, and I think about, I think Scott and I probably talk a lot about Roth and then Bob Sanders mm. because he's, you know, there's nobody like him as far as just pound for pound athleticism. And I think only his only other T1 offer was like Ball State or something like that. Like he, he was like a two star coming out. Like, I don't know how that, that was possible. I wanted to ask you guys too about Robert Gallery because he, from the outside looking in seemed like quite the character with the long hair and really seemed to fit into that Raiders culture when he got drafted over there. And it was always funny when um, at the beginning of the games, they would um, run the little marquee thing with your guys's picture in your hometown. And everyone's just like sitting there normal. And then Robert Gallery's pictures like, like this, like making like a scowl. It, it was hilarious. What type of guy was he to play with? Yeah, he was a great leader on our team. You know, he, he worked really hard, um, and he obviously had all the accolades in his senior year. He could have left before his senior year and came back because you know he's just he loved being a Hawkeye, and um, and to go into a game with your left tackle just being dominant um, as a quarterback is pretty you know pretty exciting idea, and and then you know. <laughs> When you're, when you're putting together an offense, you create plays for your playmakers, right? You, you have a good fast right receiver, you, you figure out a play for him. We figured out a play for our left tackle. Um, that's not common. And no. we had this, this screen we'd run where we'd drop back and then throw it over to uh, the wide receiver, and Gallery would take off and, um, and, and go block the corner. And I think we ran it two times against Illinois. A guy named Alan Ball was the corner for Illinois. We played the NFL for a while. Not, not a nobody, you know. And both times, Gallery just flattens him. Um, I mean, here we designed a play for a highlighter left tackle, and he took full advantage. And it's the best-looking play you've ever seen where a guy just wears Gallery. <laughs> Who was that one team? Because right now I feel like over the years maybe it's shifted a little bit to, you know, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and, you know, Iowa State, depending on how competitive they are from year to year. But who who was that one, maybe two teams that you guys as a locker room and as, as a team were just got agitated by? Like you just really wanted to kick the crap out of them and beat them, that game that you guys really look forward to every year. Yeah. Go ahead, Scott. I think uh, Wisconsin is, has always been out there. You know, just such similar programs, similar styles. And, uh, I mean, atmosphere up there is great. Atmosphere in Kinnick is great. And it just it, – it always felt good to win in Camp Randall. I was lucky enough to win there twice. And, uh, you know, the first one was one where Gallery 
chucked a trash can against the locker at halftime because we'd been playing so bad in the first half. Mm-hmm. Came back on in the second half, and uh, and then the the second one was Barry Alvarez's last game up there. And I remember that one. That was pretty fun to send him out with an L. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that those were always really fun. And then I always feel like Coach Ferentz had uh, extra disdain for Minnesota for some reason. <laughs> he, you know, he, he didn't like Minnesota, and so that kind of poured into us a little bit. And we usually uh, got up pretty well for that game. He showed that this year with calling all those extra timeouts at the end of the game just to piss off P.J. Fleck. That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah you know, my junior year, we were so good. We pretty much took care of everybody on the schedule except for Iowa State. And, um, and so going into my senior year, there was uh, a little bit extra to that game. And, um, and it was it was fun just to, you know, dismantle them kind of across the board, offense, defense, and special teams. We were able to run it up. I think Grant Steen had like three interceptions that game. Um, it's, you know, it's always good to beat them, but it was really good to – so beat them really bad the year after they kind of ruined our perfect season. Those are, yeah, that sucked. Like that, the one team that, you know, we had a quite a bit of, of a lead on them during that game, didn't we? And they came back at the end. Uh, tell us a little bit about what happened in that game. Cause we had control of that pretty significantly for the majority of it. Yeah. I think a couple things. One was, um, you know, I think Brad had some like hand cramps and had a couple of fumbles that were uncharacteristic for him. Um, just, you know, bad, bad timing. And then uh, really the bigger thing that happened there was Seneca Wallace. I mean, he's he's an amazing player. You know, he was yeah. forever because of that. And uh, it, I think our defense was outstanding and, and gave him some fits early on. But, you know, sometimes you just run into the special players and he – he showed up for the rest of that game. Well, um, I really wanted to cover with you guys too that um, your transition out of Iowa to the next level. Um, it start out, you know, with Scott. You, you were able uh, to have a fairly lengthy career in the NFL, longer, a lot longer than the average, and you really caught on with with Buffalo. Uh, what was it like? with the draft process coming out of Iowa into the NFL and what was it about the Buffalo Bills that really made it different for you from any other team? You know, um, you know, coming out, I, I think I, I probably thought I was more prepared than I was. And, uh, you know, I got drafted to San Diego. And, uh, they had Gates who was, you know, the pass catching tight end. And, and then we had Brandon Montemaliona who was the blocking tight end. And uh, I was kind of supposed to spell both of them. And didn't, uh, you know, only played in one game as a rookie. And uh, I kind of started to carve out a role for myself going into the second year. And the last preseason game, I, you know, I tore my, uh, my sesamoid bone in my uh, foot. Bad turf toe, basically. Needed surgery, was out for the season. And uh, then I ended up getting cut there. And I think that was just a, a huge wake-up call because I just hadn't had, like in, in college, you know, I didn't have injuries and didn't have, uh, you know, too much uh, go wrong that way. And, you know, getting cut was a humbling experience. 
And so then I went to Dallas and was on practice squad and, uh, you know, went to the Giants for a little bit. They called me Chris the whole time. That was humbling. You know, they didn't even, yeah. they didn't even know my name. And, uh, and honestly, when I was there, I, I think I was, you know, definitely one of the top two tight ends on the roster, if not the best, and uh, didn't, just didn't get much of an opportunity. And uh, went back to Dallas and was the third tight end and played special teams and, you know, coming on goal line, I started a game at fullback, just kind of doing whatever I could to hang on. And uh, then I got cut again after Thanksgiving Day joining. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, I, had, I lived in, it was in Dallas, so Nathan, you know, I just called him and I was like, hey, I got cut. And he's like, oh, I'm coming over. So he came over and, and I was like, hey, maybe I, I think maybe I'm not, maybe I can be a long snapper. And so he was like, okay, whatever. And so he just stayed in my front yard with me for a couple hours while I was rolling the ball back to him between my legs, and, you know, trying to snap, but just terrible at it, you know. And after about two hours, he said, you know, I think maybe you should just keep trying to play tight end until until they stop calling. And uh, the Bills ended up picking me up on waivers, and I went up there into a, a situation where they didn't really have a tight end, and the, the general manager knew me from – he was the assistant general manager in San Diego when I got drafted there. And, uh, you know, he said, you know, I think you got a real opportunity here. You're going to start for us next week. And nice. I started next week, and I started the next four years. And, uh, you know, I think – a lot of things, uh, you know, that time really prepared me for that opportunity. Uh, you know, I got to be behind Antonio Gates and Jason Bitten for the better part of four years there and learned a lot from those guys. And uh, uh, just when my opportunity came, I was really ready and went out there and had, had a great camp, that first camp, and uh, carved out a role for myself and kind of built on that for a while and, then, you know, was able to – a decent run there for four years and then finish up in New England. My yeah. yeah, Scott, I know that like as Hawkeye fans, everybody was super pumped to see you really finally get an opportunity with Buffalo. And um, it semi turned a lot of Hawkeye fans into Buffalo Bills fans because, you know, we had to pay attention and watch what you were doing and, and how you did there. Hawkeye fans are probably the most loyal fans in the country. So it was uh it was pretty awesome to see you really finally get a solid opportunity and you really did a lot with it. Uh, Nathan, what was your, what was your transition like uh, going into the NFL? Cause you definitely, you know, you had the size for sure and you had the arm strength and the ability. Um, how did that transition go for you? So, you know, I didn't have a, a real uh, lot of interest coming out of college. I signed as a with Buffalo and, uh, and, spend some time there, you know, you kind of get, um, as one of those fringe players, you have a little bit of control over, you know, how you perform, but really you're subject to a numbers game. And, uh, you know, I think JP Lossman being a, their first round draft pick and then not, not doing real well early on, um, Led them to keep a Drew Bledsoe was the starting quarterback. They kept a veteran as the backup quarterback, and JP Lawson was the third quarterback. So, um, you know, I, I was in really great shape at the time. Um, had, had a lot of fun with my experience there, but um, never really had a shot at making that team. So, um, and I had some workouts after that. Um, ended up, I had an ankle problem that I had lived with since high school. Uh, it was pretty surgery and so um 
and University of Iowa was was kind enough to to pay for that surgery, and uh, that effectively ended my career. I I was took me about a year to recover from the surgery. I, got, I had a bone graft and two screws put in my ankle, and then um, ended up having to go back and get those screws taken out. Uh, it was it was a great surgery for me. I, I lived in pretty constant pain uh, for all those years, and then uh, you know ever since that that happened, I, I'm paying for it and can walk around without paying for it the next day. So um, yeah, good, to, good to get that taken care of. What would you guys say would be the biggest difference transitioning from the locker room at Iowa and the practice field to the NFL with personalities, culture, you know, the different performance levels? What, what, what was the, the biggest change that you guys witnessed from one level to the next? Yeah, I'll speak to this a little bit because it's interesting you know, there's a hierarchy in college that you'd expect. You know, the head coach is the, the head honcho, then you have your coordinators, then you have your position coaches, and um, your players underneath that. The, and, and starters, obviously, and then the guys that play, and then the guys that don't play, right? Um, in the NFL, it's mixed up a little bit. You, you have your head coach, generally the top guy, unless there's a, you know, a Tom Brady or something. Um, but then those guys fill in underneath kind of the top players. Coordinators are up there. Um, position coaches are way below the starters. And so um, I, I got experience that when I got to Buffalo, and Drew Bledsoe was an established pro and, you know, toward the end of his career there, and he's running the room. And I was like, I oh, hope the coach is like an assistant to Drew Bledsoe here, you know? And so it was really cool for me years later to go back to Buffalo, and we happened to be there during the uh, the Christmas break, and uh, Scott had my wife and I come with him to their tight end party, and uh, it was cool. It was my little brother's party. Like, it was his room, you know? He was the guy running that show, and uh, you know, that, was, that was a cool experience. No, I'd say, you know, kind of to speak to that, the longest anybody's been at Iowa, like, they're going into their fifth year, you know, and then the coaches have been there, you know, for a long time now. So that's not the same in every NFL team. You know, some teams you go and, you know, when, when I uh, when I was in San Diego, it was North Turner's first year and Phillip Rivers' second year starting. And, uh, you know, you just had a different dynamic there where, you know, we had some star, star athletes. And Damian Tomlinson was our running back and he, you know, just an MVP of the league. And so – the cars were a big difference. The cars in the parking lot looked a lot different. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, I think that the other thing is, is like Nathan said, you know, some of the players are more, you know, more involved in the coaches because coaches is a big – there's a lot of turnover in the NFL. I mean, in Buffalo I had uh, three different tight end coaches in, you know, four and a half years. So – uh, yeah, it was, you know that was that was my room. I I was the starter. And, yeah, the coach the coach and I just worked alongside each other. Really, you know, I think if you make it about who's in charge and that kind of thing, that's not as it's not as big a deal. You, know? you got to really work towards a goal. And, yeah, you know, I think you know. Also, you have full grown men in the NFL, whereas in college, you know, yeah, they might be fully grown, but they're still you know twenty twenty one year old. Uh, guys, whereas you know, I'm I'm coming home to a wife and a family, 
and uh, there wasn't anybody in college really coming home to to wife and kids. Um, so Scott, what kind of what kind of car did Antonio Gates drive? Yeah, he had a baby blue. I'm bad at cars. I think it was a like Rolls Royce that I accidentally sideswiped one time. Woo! <laughs> you sideswiped it. Yeah, you know, I was just backing out and kind of just rubbed a little bit. A, <laughs> yeah. How'd he handle that? Every time, every time I, I see or talk to Gates, he still brings that up. Was he pissed or was he just like, eh? No, I mean, it was just one of his cars. He just drove a different one for a week. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't take it too hard. Nice setup there, Nathan. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, what was, uh, Scott, when you came out, and you really finally started to get a little bit of that NFL money. Uh, what was the first big purchase that you made? And then what was maybe the dumbest thing you bought that was like, I don't care. I, I want this. Uh, I bought a Chevy Avalanche. And that was okay. Awesome. I really loved that truck. Um, Those were hot back then. Yeah. Yeah, they were. And uh, it was cool. The dumb thing I bought, I, I probably bought a house before I should have in San Diego and then got cut. And, uh, so in 2009, so you can you can imagine how uh, how good I did on on that. But, uh, oh yeah, that was that was probably a good lesson for me to learn, honestly, because I I went from uh, I was after that I didn't spend any money for a long time because I was I was worried about it. So you didn't go buy your brother a car or something like that for all that you know great brotherly <laughs> advice over the years and wrapping you up in all that padding, playing football, looking out for you know your body and your health for your NFL career. I mean, that might be worth like a Rolls Royce or a Range Rover or something like that. Yeah, you know, he had a lucrative uh, position of working with my dad right away, so I'm pretty sure he was driving something real nice already, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Attaboy. Hey, Nathan, what was that? What was that transition like when you guys decided to start your own company? What, the place that you were at, were they pissed off when you just said you were leaving? Were they kind of, hey, man, we put you into this role? You know, were they upset? Yeah, I think they were. You know, we we gave them an option to um, integrate us, and um, and I don't think they thought I was really going to leave. And so, um, you know, it was, but it was a clean break. Um, I stay in touch with my own old owner and, um, and, you know, we still support each other where we can. Um, and, and then it was, it was great, at, you know, being able to work with Scott. Um, you know, he initially, first of all, he'd been investing with me for years. So um, he already had exposure to what we did. And then, I mean, he's one of the reasons he stayed in NFL for nine years and, you know, got to play with the, um, Patriots this last year is because he's smart. You know, I mean, it, it's it's one of the as, as his body deteriorated, um, which you know, his knee ultimately ended his career. He made up for it by being smarter than everybody else, and uh, you can work with smart. And, and you know, the competitiveness, the the uh, ability to adapt, those are things that come straight from the football field and work in business. And so. Um, you know, it, it was pretty seamless as far as getting rough and running here and having Scott be a part of it. Okay. Hey, Scott, you um, have, I know uh, Nathan said he's got all boys, I believe. Scott, do you have boys and girls? How many? Well, you have four kids. Yeah. I have three girls and a boy. Okay. So you guys got a balance there then, huh? 
Yeah, so yeah, we're trying to, you know, I'm running around to softball and basketball and volleyball. Softball's the, the flavor of the month now that we're finally seeing the sun here in Iowa. Oh, yeah, I know. It's nice to finally get out of that frigid weather. Not all of us can live in Texas where the weather's pretty damn nice year round. Uh, before we end to uh, Nathan, I wanted you to tell me a little bit about um, what we were talking about before we hopped on about um, your oldest son and his ex- his experience in Kinnick and what that was like for him. Because I just thought that was a really awesome, special story. Yeah, so I have four boys. I do have one girl. And as we... Um, we kind of started this tradition when I turned 12. Um, we take them up to Uncle Scott's house and go to a, a, a basketball game and a football game. And so um, Scott has great tickets there in the north end zone. So, um, and, then, and then the group up there just is, is great to work with. So uh, two years ago, I, I took my oldest up there and um, we got a full tour of the basketball facilities. Uh, you know, McCaffrey came over and talked to Creighton is his name, and uh, he got to go shoot on the floor after practice that day. And then we sat, Scott came with us, we sat behind the um, the bench for the the game that night. And, uh, you know, he got to, got to see Fran throw t- temper tantrums and all the players kind of hide their laughs. And, uh, you know, and he had a great time. Um, and then we, the next day, we we go and tailgate, and uh, you know, we're sitting there hanging around talking. And Creighton kind of looked at us like, it's boring. He walked around the parking lot in about 10 minutes, stirred up I think, 15, 20 kids to have a pickup football game in the parking lot there. And then he and I went in the stadium and, um, and got to see all the players warming up and just, you know, up close to the size of them. And um, lucky enough that. As old as I am, all my coaches are still there. So they were all coming over and saying hi and introducing themselves to Creighton. Uh, and, and then kind of experience for me, um, something I didn't get to be a, really see much as a player, um, was being on the field while the swarms up in the tunnel and the video that plays. And then as the guys run out, we had jets fly over that game. And uh, and I looked down at Creighton and I said, so what do you think, you know, basketball or football? He goes, football. Um, He's got goals. (laughs) All right. Yeah, the atmosphere, I mean, you can't really compare, even if you're a basketball junkie, the atmosphere between a college football and college basketball game, it's not really comparable. I mean, it's the college football game is, in my opinion, the great one of the greatest, if not the greatest sporting event you can attend in the country. So, but I'm probably a little biased being a diehard Hawkeye fan, but I'm going to let, I'm going to let you guys go. I know you guys got, you guys got a business to run. You can't hang out with me all day. So I know you're busy. Like when's this guy going to shut up and quit asking questions, but uh, Hey, thank you so much to both of you for taking time out of your busy schedules to come on with us. And uh, we appreciate everything that you guys did during your playing career at Iowa. And um, it's, it's great for all of us Hawkeye fans to see you guys happy and healthy with your, with your families, just flourishing and Texas and in Iowa. So uh, thanks again to both of you guys and good luck. Continue, continued success with the business going forward. Thanks, thanks for having us. Always good to talk Hawks. All right, guys. Yeah, no problem. Go Hawks guys. Thanks.